Hey guys, on this episode, you're going to learn that everything you do, there's a cost of education. From Brad Price, owner of Creekwood Landscapes and executive pastor of LifePoint Church. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Episode 27, my name is Jared Ketterman. Kyle Voss in the house. Thank you, Liz, for the intro. Yeah. It's almost like she's in the room with us. You know, with you. You're welcome. <laughs> she will be in a minute. Liz is working next sure. door at Weston Co. Tap Room, and we'll be bringing us, uh, or asking if we prefer a cold a, beverage. A beverage, yeah. So, that's good. It's a rainy day today. Interesting. Uh, weather that's like, our that's almost 80 degrees today well that's i was gonna say it's almost gonna be like a lake day today it, today's one of those days that fakes you out you know this, you, you this look is where we get sick in the south yeah you go outside you see the what is it the uh uh what's the white trees around here that bloom right those now pear, dogwoods. Bradford, the Bradford dogwoods pears. and there's a cherry tree that blooms everything yeah. is, is starting to bloom but now you're like oh man we ripped up and burned like now grass. spring is coming in yep. grass is my zoysia won't come in until june see days like today is what gets me though because it's you're outside you see stuff starting to bloom you're like dude spring's here and then all of a sudden two weeks it's gonna be freezing cold again yeah. and then we, we all might, get the we flu. might get a snow in march I hope not. We did a couple I, I years. I hope not, too. We did a couple years Yeah, ago. I mean. This year, we literally it. have not had a snow. It snowed in Mountain Rest, but we did not have a snow. Today's guest is uh, a long, t- decades friends of both of Kyle and I. His name is Brad Price. Brad, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. It's like a little high school reunion around the It kind of is, ain't it? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we all hung around different cliques. And here we are, 20... Years later, I said, we'll say twenty years later. <laughs> that's good. That's good enough. That's good enough. Twenty x twenty x years later, and we've all come full circle. We've all lived our life, yep. and we all went different directions when we graduated. And we've, I mean, that's right. That, Me and Brad hang out all the time. I so. think it's cool. I think it's cool that here we are again. You know. Yep. And Brad, you ain't aged a bit, dude. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. So, Brad, Brad, tell us a little bit about what you do. And you're, I guess you do a lot of things. You're like us. You got your hands in a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Um, so I've been in church work for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And I uh, started a church uh, about 10 years ago. August will be 10 years with a friend of mine. And one of the things we decided when we started that church is that we were all going to be bivocational is the real churchy word for it. But it basically means we're going to be diversified in income and providing for our families. You're not going to so make, you're not gonna make just, a living yes, from right. the congregation. It's that's not correct. church. That's you correct. have a full-time job and church is your other full-time job. Uh, yeah, they're both that's full-time right. jobs. There you go. Let me, uh, real quick, and I'm going to kind of play out the way that the church started. And you tell me if this is correct, but you guys were on bicycles at uh, the gym so at the time I was working at CrossFit Proverb. That's where Blake and I met. Okay. So, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. So you guys are like riding, doing your getting your calorie counts on these bikes, right, or something? I don't know how. I've never done CrossFit. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard this story. This is great. And they get to talking, right? And you were at a different church than Blake, and like right, right, right. We were cross town. I was in Wahala. Uh, Blake was in Seneca. Right. And so y'all get to talking. And you're like somehow. It came up where it's like, hey, we we just need to start our own church. Well, no, it really wasn't that. It really was the gym. So the the CrossFit community is a really really unique thing, uh, and you're either in it or you're out of it, kind of. Right. Yeah, it's so, hardcore. Yeah, CrossFit people they they talk about CrossFit, and people who aren't in CrossFit hate CrossFit people because all they talk about is CrossFit. <laughs> So really it came down to Blake and I, you know, riding those bikes and we're, we're watching another kind of class happen. And we got in this discussion about, you know what, this is what church should look like. So there were, there were two or three old guys. There were a couple of, you know, high school kids. There were, you know, teachers, there were stay at home moms. And at the end of this workout, you know, they're all high fiving and talking about what they did and all those things. So we were like, you know what, this is really what yeah. church should look like. And I guess, and you guys, I mean, we don't have to get too deep into it, but in your separate groups, the churches that you're involved with was typical like church stuff where they're arguing about the color of the carpet yeah, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, we're missing the point here. Yeah, fellas. so the, the common the common vein that Blake and I had is both of us were really trying to do the same thing in different places. Uh, both of us kind of felt like God was, you know, opening a door in our community for, you know, this this idea of a, 
a, a real a real small group community church where it's not necessarily about the the show it's not about the sunday morning deal but it's about you know just like a crossfit class so there may be a you know 100 150 members there whatever it is but that one class that you go to that that 430 class or that 830 class whatever it is they kind of become your family yeah for sure and if you're not there it's yeah. a small enough group that somebody notices it. You're in the trenches with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like so, Wednesdays at the tap room. If Skeet don't show up, everybody's like, like where's Skeet? Skeet? Somebody's yeah. going to call. He's yeah. doing a yeah. podcast Is next okay? door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you miss one day, it's fine, but you miss two days, and yeah. somebody's yeah. going to be calling Somebody's you. calling you. Knock, yeah. Knock yeah, that's on your right. door. That's you right. okay? Yeah, which holds you accountable. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so, awesome. You know, and and I think I think – the keys to success are, since you said accountability, are two things. I think it's responsibility and accountability. Yep. When you're in this huge organization, it's so easy to hide. And we could be talking about church. We could be talking about yeah. The, well, the we don't have to talk. You talking about corporate America? That well, same it's scenario. it's the exact same thing. You know, you you can you can just hide. There's not really any responsibility, and there's not really any accountability. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what we really set out to do was do just that. We wanted to, you know, grow the church as 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 much as God wanted that to happen. But at the end of the day, we want to keep this small mentality where there's, you know, responsibility and accountability sure. to keep people yeah. engaged. Yeah, and it works really well. And so you went by vocational so that y'all started the church. Yeah, well, actually, I was working at the gym at the time. Okay. And uh, I kind of go through these 10-year cycles. So I sure. I was at the end of my, my gym my gym time. Days. This is about halfway through the church. So we're about you know five, six years ago, something like that. And was just, you know, ready for a change, ready to do something different. Um, at the time, there was a, a dude that was cutting my Nana's grass. Actually, it's Kelly's Nana's grass. And um, he quit, and I just decided I could go buy a lawnmower. I could do that for her. I can handle that. I got enough time to do that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, when bought the mower, um, I borrowed a trailer. I didn't even have a trailer. Borrowed a trailer. I bought a mower and a weed eater, you know, from Jerry Vickery down there mm-hmm. and um, started cutting down his grass. Well, then I realized, you know, I got all this money in this equipment, and I thought, I can probably pick up enough yards to at least pay for it. At least pay for it. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, that's really all I want to do is, is pay for it. That's right. So, um, you know, one of one of the one of the keys, you know, your your brand is your quality, and your profit is your efficiency. So, as as quality kind of increases, you know, we needed to. I needed to be more efficient. Say it again. I'm I'm playing this back in my head. Your brand is your right. So your brand is quality, and your profit is efficiency. And your profits efficiency. That's true. So. You know, I wanted to be more efficient. I had more phone calls. I, of course, had another job still working at the church, so I could only I could only cut so much grass. So I started hiring some Clemson students. They were ag majors, but you know whether it's arbor arborist or whatever it happened to be. I tried to focus on ag majors, but yeah. hiring ag majors from Clemson, and um, you know getting kids to come in that were. You know, good, good kids, qualifiable. You vetted them. Yeah, yeah. People who knew how to, you know, at the end of the day, get the work done. We weren't big enough for them to hide, so there definitely was responsibility and accountability. There has to be so many. Look, me and uh, a good friend of mine, Scotty Derrick, we we have this conversation often. Scotty's been cutting grass in his own landscape and grass cutting business for decades. Yeah. So Scotty's been with me at the lake house over almost 10 years. Like, that's my guy. That's yeah. Right. right. And we talked. I was like, Scotty, you're back on the lawnmower? Because there was a short period where I had Mike or whoever it was. He was doing my yard under Scotty. Mm-hmm. And Scotty's like, I, I can't find employees. And these guys, they think they see the money that we're bringing in, the jobs that we're doing. So they go out and buy a little lawnmower and a trailer, and they have no, no idea how to run a business. No. Yeah. And they'll last less than a summer. Because you see all these cards come out. Oh, yep. let's do this lawn care. Let's do that lawn care. Yep. And they don't last. They can't well, the, be sustainable. The summer months are good. It's when the off months well, you, is when yeah, the, yeah. how you run your business matters. Or you say, oh, I can cut that grass in that yard. And then you're overbooked. Yeah. And then it rains. And now you got to play catch up. Like, there's a lot to that business. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, g- good idea going after ag major people. Yeah. So, anyway, and uh, through a mutual friend, uh, picked up a, a very bright young man uh, who had hopes and dreams and stuff he wanted to do. And as he kind of got rolling in this thing, um, 
he wanted to do more grading and that kind of thing. So he wanted to up up the ante a little bit. He wanted to up the ante, um, you know, less less slinging mulch and you know more digging in the dirt and that kind of thing. So really, what I'm good at is applicable to you know any business. Really, it's the marketing, it's the business management, it's you yeah. know, it's the supply chain, it's hiring good people. Again, reinvesting in the business because yeah. you're really good at that. I watched you buy a hydro seeder, and then you bought two, and then you bought a piece of equipment. And you were like booking jobs with rental equipment for a while. Yes. And then once yep. you book several, you're like, dude, I could pay for this rental equipment if I bought it That's versus right. rent it. So then you're buying them. That's where I see where you're really good. Is and didn't you look? I could be wrong here. Didn't you look at buying a, a local landscape company? I did. I did. Okay. Um, I had a guy who uh, I'd heard that, and it wasn't from you or Kyle, but somebody else in in the world mentioned that. But I don't know the details about it. But yeah, actually, it's happened two different times where I had somebody approach me about buying. One was more of kind of a grass cutting business, and then one was a you know full on full on landscape yeah. supply and the install business. Uh, so you, you know, fast forward a little bit, you go through the all the stuff that happened in downtown Seneca with the tornado. Oh, yeah. Um, so we took equipment down there and just spent a couple of weeks. Uh, we made tons of good connections uh, through that with other people who are doing That's the right. same thing. Um, one of the one of the interesting things is we live in a pretty small town and everybody knows everybody, but everybody doesn't know what everybody does. And again, it goes back to quality. So there were a few people who were connected with us down there who said, "Gosh, these guys get after it. They do good work." So there you go. All of a sudden, now I've got connections with some other people, and it opened the door for some of that grading stuff. We made some connections with some builders, and here, here we are today. So, so acts of philanthropy, people, are yeah. not a bad thing. Well, and the awesome thing for Brad was that he also had ties with the church, which was also in the middle of That's that, right. too. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because y- y'all set that up as, like, main headquarters. Yeah, yeah, we hosted Samaritan's Purse there at the church, so we were kind of a major yeah. hub for the volunteer effort. Um, Everybody I, worked that tornado. Yeah, yeah, Me- they did. They Megan, did. I mean, she woke up the next morning and went, have you, have you seen Facebook? And I'm like, no, but it got pretty windy here last night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. sure something happened, and we started looking at it, and she's like, I have to go. I went, Go. Yeah. So she went and she so stationed I went, up I, at your parking lot, actually, and figured, were figured out what do I need to do. It's three, four days straight. She yep. was just running back so and I forth. So I drove through the very next morning, and it literally looked like a war-torn. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was telephone poles and stuff across the road. I mean, you couldn't get anywhere. You couldn't drive hardly through it. I mean, yeah, it's so our, way, it was our largest natural disaster in Oconee County. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Blake, Taylor, a couple of guys from church, they kind of live down in that area. And Jacob and I um, had left the shop and we were going to go, you know, try to help them get out of their driveways, get a tree off one of their houses, that kind of thing. Well, we got to the Methodist church there downtown and that's as far as we could get. So that's we crazy. pulled the truck over, started we unloaded the machines, we started unloading the machines. Uh, there were a couple of guys that we know go to church with us, live down there. So uh, that's kind of how it all started. It started going from the Methodist Church down that Adam subdivision, and we kind of made a big horseshoe and came back up. The you know we hooked up with other grading contractors. There, you know, we spent the first couple of days down there um, with everybody kind of scattered, and then you know, of course, me being who I am, I just kind of started walking around and going, you know, we could probably do this a little more efficiently if we just so, team up. Of yeah. course. So I pulled yeah. this guy who's got trucks. I pulled this guy who's got a loader. And, you know, you set them up in a hub somewhere, and then yeah. we just started kind of moving stuff around to them. Piling it in certain yeah. places yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we ought to do a whole episode on the Utica Tornado. Oh, yeah. That was a, the way it brought our community I, together. I, it, the, the, it's an economic and a social impact yeah. Huge. after a natural disaster. What was it? A, what size was that thing? Big. Four? Yeah. Did they rate it? Because just for reference, people are listening, whatever. Cause I think I mean, they cap it at five, right? F five. Yeah, and it's based on, I think the size of it was and big it, enough to be classified as a big one. The wind speed wasn't there or something yeah. along that, well, but it was it's, huge. His destruction from an airplane was undeniable. Yeah, for sure. Like just, it's like God took his finger and went. Yep. But everybody everybody remembers where they were. That's right. It's almost like 9-11 for this little small community, right? That's exactly right. And yeah, Oconee wasn't the only one. It just kept going. Right? <laughs> yeah. But for yeah. us, it was a big deal. So They found the Borg Warner sign on the other side of Anderson is what I was told. Yep. Um, was it Anderson Liberty? Somewhere it's, somewhere over there. But yeah, it, it, was, it was long far away. It was away. a long yeah. way away. That's crazy. It was crazy. So, but I love hearing stories about people coming together and, and acts of philanthropy. Like, you, we don't think. We just act yeah. in those terms. That's but still... 
it, it was positive because you help people out, you build relationships, you're networking, you don't even know it at the time because that's not where your brain is. Your brain is to help the community. But still, you gained business and you built up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we hooked up with some people. Of course, we had a little bit smaller equipment, had some guys that we worked with who had the big equipment. Um, roll around a few jobs later, and you know they're like, hey, you've got the stuff to kind of get in here and do this. So we started doing tons of water mitigation around Lake Kiwi, helping people fix where you know water would get around the house, driveways, you know that kind of thing building some small boulder walls and move, moving water around really was kind of the next step for us. Um, it, is, it was kind of how, right. how so it So the guys that didn't have the, the little small, smaller equipment that couldn't get in those tight spaces or maybe didn't even want to do it necessarily, they instantly started calling you and said, right. hey, I got a guy. Yep. So you're a water drainage expert. Yeah, yep. And at, we're that, a, at that time. At that time. Well, yeah. still. Um, so, so now – you know, kind of fast forward a couple of years, made some really good uh, connections and relationships with some builders. And, and you know, builders are great guys and builders are really good at what they do. And a lot of them build, you know, great quality houses. But shaping the property around this vision they have for this house isn't always their gift. So luck, luckily enough, had a few guys who kind of trusted us to help with that. And, you know, now we're kind of taking care of everything on the outside. Um, you said something uh, timber to, do you remember what you? Uh, you take it, you take the land from timber to home site. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great tagline for your business. And I won't, I'll license it too. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, folks. Here we go. Uh, but it is, it's, it, you know, when you describe to me exactly what you're doing today, it is, you're taking it from raw land to home site. Yeah. Either yeah. way. So yeah. that's and, cool. And, you know, we still do the, we still do the remodel. The backyard remodel for me is really one of my favorite things to do. You have, um, you know, let's just say, for example, you, um, I've got a project I'm working on now where uh, it's a elderly, elderly couple. They had a pool. Kids are grown and gone. Decided they didn't want a pool. They had the pool filled in and now they just have this big, square backyard mm -hmm. what do we do with that um that's like a blank canvas yeah, for me that's right uh, so i work with a good friend in the neighborhood his name is justin robinson owns justin robinson designs uh, so justin kind of helps me take what's in my head and put it on paper i'm also not very much of a plant guy the other thing that i did kind of moving uh, moving along this path is i recognize people who are really good at what they do uh, for instance lance zone seven <clears throat> for a couple of years lance did all of my plants because there's nobody better in the area at the time Lance right. was the plant guy um steve bailey did some mulch for me john cothran did irrigation you know i i really leaned on those guys who were who were very skilled in those specific areas yeah. and instead of me trying to hire all these people to you know, there's a cost of education in everything that you do. So instead of... Stop. It, okay. <laughs> Say it again. There is a cost of education in everything that you do. And you may, have, you may have gone to college. You may have paid for that education. You may have been working on, on Mustangs for a while. Like, here's a great example of that. So I've owned a few cars, owned a few Mustangs, done a little bit of work on them here and there, but not near as much as this guy and our friend Chuck. So I got this car now that we've been working on, and uh, they're they're helping me on it. Very appreciative of that. And uh, we had a little project we were doing pedal swap, uh, going from a automatic to a manual transmission. And I climbed under there one time and looked through this gob of mess of wires and wasn't sure what to do. So call Kyle. Kyle comes over. He looks around. He reaches in the toolbox. He grabs two box in wrenches. Two sockets and a ratchet and says, this is all we need. He climbs in there, and in 20 minutes, he did probably what would take me two days well, because he's paid that cost of education. You paid the cost of education. Yeah. Said, we, talked, we told the story before the podcast, and I was just enthralled with it. But it's like Kyle's done it a, a lot. Well, right? what's funny about that story is he started talking about going to manual. I was like, yeah, dude, we can do this. No problem. And so he gets started on it. Well, that day that he's talking about, I went in there. Pull the steering column out, steering wheel, and there's all these wires. I start cutting stuff. Oh, I bet Brad. I'm like, we don't need this. Not throw it. We don't need this. We're going to fix this. And he's like, blinkers. No, and his, I can see it in his eyes. In his mind, he's like, I hope he knows where that goes back. I'm going to, I'm going to have to buy a whole new computer and wiring harness. What is he doing? By the way, the car is not running yet, so we still have a little bit of. It's back. It's back to where I started this. But, but you trust him because he's paid that cost. I only know that he trusted me. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Did absolutely. he pull you by your ankles? No, out but I could car? see the look like, man, I hope he knows where that goes back. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'd, have, I'd have been the same way. I'd have flipped out. But I also know that I didn't pay the cost of education to learn how to work on cars. I mean, come on. Yeah. My car breaks. I, thank goodness for Chase and James is what I say. You just <laughs> find, you find That's somebody. Right. That's right. So, now, now, what I knew about Brad, though, is he, I knew he wanted everything to be done the right way. That's right. And so we probably could have – done the job a little easier but i was like nah man this is this is your make you know, it right you're gonna, you want to enjoy this thing you want it to be the way you want it let's just make it right mm-hmm. we pulled it all out so and just like you said you you approach the car that way when i walk onto a property i, I do the same thing so I, you may have you may present a problem to me mm-hmm. when i walk on the property and it, it is a problem but from the time I step on that property, I'm blazing a trail to fix it all while you're yeah, in there. Might as, as well as you go. Which I think is what all. I told you. I said, hell, while we're in here, we might as well get it right. Clean up this wiring, clean up this, clean up that. So you do the same thing on the job site. That's hey, exactly right. I could I could put you a little French drain right here and it's gonna fix your rod problem. But while we're in here, why don't we just do this, this, and this, and then it'll all be right. And it'll save you from me having to come back yeah. in two years or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so um you ever had a thought in your head it disappear? It's exactly yeah. what hey, just happened. Well, I, well, I was gonna say we, we what? Go ahead. That, I just said it disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what we're gonna do then. We'll take Let's a break. Take a break right quick, guys. Thank you so much. We got Brad Price in here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's face it, shopping for insurance can be time consuming. When it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust your Allstate experts. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves money, sure, but it also saves you time. So you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact Clemson Allstate agent Shane Smith at 864-654-1047 today for a free personalized insurance proposal. Allstate, are you in good hands? We're back with Brad Price, entrepreneur, um, youth uh, praise and worship director, uh, well, co- co-conspirator of a church. Yeah, co-conspirator. Executive <laughs> pastor is my title now. Okay. Um, and I think that means that I take care of all the things that nobody knows has to be done and all of the Parking things lots. that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's what that is. So, so, you're, <laughs> if, so I think we're having Blake come on another day, maybe next week. So what you're saying is you do all the work, he gets all the glory. Uh, no, 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 no not, not, yeah. not, not at all. Blake's not, not a take glory kind of take glory kind of guy. Yeah, it's funny, funny that you say that. If I if I had to say anything that's um, unique about Blake is his personality, because anybody else that would be in that man's position would would handle it very, very differently. He's one of the most humble human beings on the planet. He. Uh, he knows is knows what he's great at, yeah. and he he does it, and he trusts the people around him. Yeah, and that for me is is I don't huge. know him. You know what's awesome about this him. is like Blake's most likely going to be on next week. Yeah, and we're not talking church; we're talking investing stock, stock market. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, like we talked about earlier, we both have kind of yeah. other avenues. Bi vocational. Yeah. yeah, and I love that about our church too. That it is bi vocational. It's not like people trying to make a living on the congregation. We, we, you know, everybody's there. We don't make a living on a congregation. Some people do. Well, shame on them. You know what I'm saying? Um, but is, we can this take. This is why I'm anti church, to yeah, be honest well, about it. Well, then that's life points for you. Yeah, yeah, we are too. There's about 1,500 people every Sunday that are kind of anti church, and let, we all get together say, and we talk about Jesus and we don't talk about church. Let me clarify because I, I don't want you to think that I'm anti Christian because I certainly am a Christian and I love my Jesus. I'm just anti-corporate establishment church. Yeah, and that's anyway. exactly we're probably in that same box. I would very, I would, very anti-establishment. Yeah. Very everything, very everything me, goes to for sure. you know missions or you know whatever. sure. So anyway, so earlier, Brad, you were saying you could go into a customer's uh, job site or backyard or the client or the subcontractor or the contractor, whoever you're working for, and you can kind of see what needs to be done. Like you, you can kind of have that vision. And I, I did the same thing in commercial real estate. I can walk into a building the way it looks today. And I can see the way it's going to look in, you know, nine months after we get done putting our touch on it. And I think my point with that is a creator's mind, and there has to be a study on this, a creator's mind thinks differently because, Kyle, you you do the same thing with fabrication and, and any kind of metalworking or cars. You do it on real estate or uh, raw dirt. I do it in commercial real estate spaces. But a creator's mind works 
different than a yeah. college mind. Either you have a creator's mind or you don't. It's one of those things that you can can't see be, the vision or you can't. You can't know. be taught. Yeah, and, and I think I don't think it can be taught. And I, I think, think you just have it. I kind of agree. I think you could probably teach. I think it could probably be taught. I think what the problem is is most people don't have enough confidence in their self to think that it's it's plausible. Well, I'm gonna go back to something I said earlier. There's a cost of education. Mm-hmm. Like we we were all willing to miss a few times. We were willing to get it wrong yeah, a right. few times to yeah. to figure out that niche of of how to get it right. And after you do it wrong a few times. Yeah. You, you start weeding out that path and go, okay, I'm not going to go down that path again because it just doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't add so, up, it doesn't work. So. It's so important because somebody came to me, actually, multiple people come to me and say, tell me how to do this and how to do this. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? And my, yeah, my, answer, I don't know. my answer is always the same. It's not, I don't know. It is, I can tell you all my failures, which will help you more than I can tell you yeah. all my successes. Have you, have you heard that little... Uh, playing on Co- cost in, on of education. Yeah, exactly. That's your, that's your yeah. cost of education. No, no. Have you heard that thing on Instagram where it's like you're like watching Instagram reels or YouTube, whatever, and it's like this guy and he goes, People always ask me, How'd you do that? And I always say, Hell, I don't know. No, have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Everybody's everybody texts me and they're no, like, I don't you, know. need, you need to use this on your stuff. I wish I could scroll to a reel and a guy would or the girl would say, either one would say, Stop scrolling, go do something. Yeah, and that's the yeah. whole reel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't tell you, and I love reels. I get value. I do. do, we, I get do I need valuable to make, content. Do I need to make this. one happen for South Cax Syndicate? Yeah, yeah, you bet. No. Stop, stop, stop. Quit scrolling. Stop scrolling. Go do something. Go do something. Look, so so many times people people confuse motion for progress. Yeah, and oh, I think it's bullshit. Busy work. That's good. Like just because you're running around all over the place, don't mean that you're getting anything done. Well, and that's true. Motion just, does not equal progress. You're right. Well, and it's just like sitting behind a desk. You know, you can sit behind a desk all day long, but you may not be getting a thing done. Heck no. Yeah, I agree. It's like, well, I'll go back to a book I read a long time ago called The 4-Hour Work Week. It's a great book. That's you an never, old book. That's, yeah. That's old. It's a Timoth- Timothy Ferris book. Yep. If you've never read it, read it. It's awesome. He yep. basically talks about that exact thing. He's like, how is it that everybody gets done, everything done in exactly 40 hours in a week? Yeah. Because you, because they're not entrepreneurs. Well, what he would tell you is if you only had 30 hours, you'd still get it done. That's, that's right. right. And if you had 50 well, hours, it would take you 50 hours to right. do it. That's right. He's and like, you ha- you use the amount of, lot of the allotted time you have to do something to yeah. do it. He's like, if you just shrink that down, you can get it done way faster. Well, that was really our motivation for being, quote, unquote, bivocational. At the end of the day, you know, when, I, when it came down to, you know, it was me and Blake and everything that had to be done had to be done. And I still had to figure out a way to, feed my family, that's right. it's amazing how much you can get done in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, just like I said, you know, efficiency is your profit. That's right. Cool. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, so Brad is a organ collector and not the kind of, not human, not human, <laughs> not, not, the, not, creepy, human not the creepy kind. I where need three it's livers a, and two show. kidneys to go, please. Yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of a, the reason I like this these this story. I guess we're going to get into is that because it's so it's so different and rare. Organ organs. I, yeah, I mean I'm familiar with yeah. it. It's a musical instrument. Yeah. It's about the size of a stand up piano, or sometimes the size of this room, depending on what Catholic church you walk in. Correct, correct. Right? So they, the, they fake it now, though. Yeah, they do. They do. So this idea of God, how of, big is your house? How many organs do you have? Where do you put them? Oh well. Luckily, I work at a church that has two campuses. There you uh, go. So, yeah, I do have one at my house. I have one in each campus. Sure. I have one that's the travel organ that I use when Heath and I play out or if we do an outdoor church event or something like that. And then I have this little bitty one that I kind of uh, build and hot-rodded, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, you say organ, people have all kinds of thoughts in their minds. The the first thing that most people think of are like the, you know, cathedral, mm-hmm. church organ. Air. The air. Pipes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and actually the, you know, the organ is the whole room. Like the organ, That's right. it's, it's all in the back, and yeah. the piece that you see is just the controller. The right. So back in the late 40s, early 50s, a guy named Hammond uh, created uh, what he called the first electric organ. And uh, he was a watchmaker. 
Uh, he made made mechanical mechanical watches. So he made this contraption. It's called a tone generator, and it basically works like a transmission does. So there's one drive shaft that kind of goes down the middle. It has two or three other shafts that come off of it. It has all these different cogs, uh, 91 or 92 cogs, I believe. Um, well, he set it up so that those things spin at a, a particular rotation. Um, <clears throat> like per minute. Per or, minute or per second, however right. they do that all the time. Excuse me. You're fine. No problem. So, I'll probably do it in a second. So yeah. So um, so that thing is set up so that those things spin at the correct RPM all the time, and there's a magnetic pickup on each one of those little cogs, and each of the cogs are a different size, and there's different spacing between them. So it gives to that vibrato it does of an not. organ. It actually does not. I'll get to then, that in just a. Then why make them? Because I, I can see, I can see what you, what that's doing, right? All right. So where does tone come from? So tone comes from movement. You know, a pitchfork. A pitchfork makes a tone, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not until you hit well, it. Oh, well, that's yeah. It's that's the right. movement. It's the movement. So the, the vibration. The, the vibration. The tone is in the movement in a in a pitchfork. So as these um, as these wheels kind of spin yeah. when they go by the magnet each one is spaced a certain distance apart and it creates a tone all right so now you ask about the movement mm -hmm. so the movement actually comes from the speaker cabinet which was created by a guy named don leslie who is not affiliated with hammond in any way shape no. fashion or forms matter of fact they yeah did i was not, gonna say this is my favorite part yeah yeah you this like my, look go ahead go ahead so two guys really didn't get along at all but the, the success of both of their companies was, you know, in the 60s and 70s, the guys guys that took the Hammond organ and hooked it up to a Leslie, Leslie speaker. speaker yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got Holy this, smokes. Oh, my gosh. Magic. The first, the first song I ever heard of Leslie on, without knowing what it was, was probably Long... Lonesome Ornery Mean by Waylon Jennings. Yeah. yeah. Waylon used the Leslie speaker a lot. Well, so now you talked about movement and the Leslie speakers. Tell them why those two, why they're together. Compatible. All right. So, so yeah, um, go listen to a song like Green Onions. There's a song called Green Onions. If you yep. listen to it, you'll, you'll know it. All right. So that's a Hammond organ with no Leslie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you probably wouldn't listen to it a lot because it has a, you know, kind of a certain sound. Sure. But you put the Leslie on and it just becomes yeah. magic. Explain what a Leslie is. So the Leslie speaker is a rotary speaker. It has two uh, drum, one drum in it for the bottom speaker and it has a horn in it for the top speaker. They spin in opposite directions. One of them is really big and heavy and the other one is really small and light. So when you, when you hook the thing up, it kind of spins at a certain rotation all the time. And much like when the, you know, we live in Oconee County, so when Duke Power sends the sirens off, mm -hmm. they move really slow and you hear that pitch get louder mm -hmm. and it gets higher mm -hmm. in pitch as it comes to you. And as it goes away, it gets lower in pitch and it gets quieter as it goes away. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine ramping that up to, you know, 60 times a minute. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's almost like putting your speaker in front of this microphone and hitting play and watching that speaker. Just go around in circles. Yeah, really fast. Yeah, yeah. so the first time I, I had a chance to plug guitar into a so late 60s model Leslie, it, like, yeah. it was just, it was a cabinet probably half the size of this table and about this tall. And man, it, it changed my life. Yeah, so the, it, it puts was amazing. What it, what is Because it, it puts movement in the music, so right? So you, yeah, yeah. you, you strum, it's like, wow. Well, but it's not a whammy. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. different. It, it's, it's it's just this combi different. Yeah, it's this combination between tremolo and a whammy mm -hmm. is the greatest. That that's kind of yeah. if you could put those two things together, it still is not the same. But just because of the way it works. And they're but, still relevant today, not just in organs, but in a lot of guitar players. Yeah. Well, go listen to pop music now, country music now, country mm -hmm. music in particular. If you go listen to it now, well, it's, Brad, country music and country music. No well, more, so. that's a whole nother podcast. Anyway. We'll set a date. We'll set a date. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll talk about what's country music country, these days. You mean the pop music today? Okay. Now, there's country out there. Just, it's not played on the radio. That's what I think. That's my oh, personal for sure. opinion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you go listen to it. And if you've ever heard the instrument by yourself, I think what intrigued you is me and a buddy of mine, Heath, play out. It's acoustic yep. guitar and mm -hmm. organ. Well, when you strip everything else away and all you have is acoustic guitar and organ, that organ is a 
powerhouse. Well, you're the yeah. bass, you're the rhythm, you're yeah. every, you're, yeah. the, you're the band, you're the drum set, yeah, you're the that's band. That's exactly right. There's there's and a, Heath is the guitar company with the vocal. That's exactly right. Yeah. There's a percussion kind of element yeah. to it. There's Absolutely. bass. I play with my feet, and then you can do the different things with your hands. Well, when you strip everything out, you really got to hear kind of what yeah. that instrument, what that instrument. I does. think the mechanical part of it intrigued me too because it like spins fast and then slows down and then fast and. You know, it, it, it is, it, it's cool. Thank goodness for Mr. Leslie. Yeah. And, so, and, you know, it's a game you play. Like if you leave it on slow all the time, you don't really notice it. And if you were to leave it on fast all the time, it would get super annoying. <laughs> but it's this game, yes, it's this yes. game you play with creating interest, with um, creating. With, yeah, there you That's go. Right. There yep. you creating. Go. Yep. There I you love go. it. Dynamic, dynamic diversity. That's yes. right. Uh, that's, that's right. the thing that makes music great is dynamic diversity. So one thing, hold on, I want to tie in with this because this is this goes back to like kind of like business. So I, one day, Brad, I don't even remember what I was going to meet you for, but I was like, I think I had something of yours, and he was like, yeah, I'm up at the church. Just meet me up there. And this is like on a Tuesday or something, random day. On a Tuesday. <clears throat> so I show up. There's nobody at the church. It was probably raining. It was, it was just Brad. And I walk into the church, and I just hear the organ just blaring, just he's rocking the organ in there, you know. And he's just in a practice center. I'm sure he kind of dialed it in or was doing something. You know, he probably changed some, some mechanicals on it, was just testing it out. So I get in there, and we get talking, and he starts telling me about the Leslie, because I see it there, and the organ and all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, man, you ever heard the quote, uh, pulling out all the stops? You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah, it comes from the organ comes from the organ. I had no idea. Well, apparently on the organ, there's like, what, some kind of slides? That yeah, well, on so on, like on ours, there's slides. The, the term pulling out on the stops, if you look at a traditional, like, pipe organ, so what you see is just the control, the control surface, and it basically comes down to airflow. So you have pipes, it's basically like a, you know, flute, penny whistle, whatever you call it, but... They range from, you know, 16 feet, 32 feet, you know, down to two feet, even even smaller than that. It gives you every note. So the air runs all the time. Air runs all the time. And when you when you push down the keys, it opens the valves. It's and like then, a carburetor, Kyle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so this would be like a vacuum system. Uh, so yeah. then, then you have all of these different pathways. So when you pull out the stops, it opens the opportunity for that air to flow down certain pathways. And there, there's a pathway down here that may have, you know, high pitched ones, some down here that have low pitched ones. And when you pull out all the stops, it allows that air to flow through every pipe in the building. Yeah. That's when you get and that. Then, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And when you press those keys down, then it opens that valve for those individual. Shaking the shutters. Yeah. Uh, those individual uh, pipes that are in that key that you're playing. Which makes so much sense because when you think about pulling out all the stops. Like you're trying to have that wah moment, that, that moment where the whole building's, mm -hmm. you know, like you're pulling out all the stops. Yeah. So, Brad, I want to want to ask you: Do you have a favorite quote that you just go to? Yes, yes, I do. Um, so this is probably. Do you remember the musicians' den? Yeah, the music store. Yeah, the music store. Yeah. Listen, my buddy yeah. Chad Rawlings. Yeah. Is so, he's, is, Paul's, I'm glad you brought this up. Is, is he still doing Black Dog? Um, Custom guitars. Does well, he do any guitar work anymore, or is he, he just focused on audio? He video? does a little bit of guitar work. I seen some in there when I was. Well, he he does some guitar work for some people. I don't yeah. know that he necessarily advertises oh, that. He, a whole he's lot. done some for me. I got an amp I need worked on, but uh, his work for me was just impact. Like I'm, I'm a huge Chad yeah, fan. He'd actually yeah, be a good one to have on the podcast. He would be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I, I loved, I love Chad like, because so there. Talented. Listen, there has been an ebb and flow to his industry that's probably higher peaks and valleys than any uh, of us no have ever experienced, that. and that that dude has figured it out. Yeah, yeah. he so, has done it. So tell us about the quote. You're hanging right, out so at musicians. Hanging den. out musicians. Den. We used to go down there, you know, and just bunch Chad. of. Yeah, Chad, bunch of dudes just hanging around playing. I don't even remember what the context of the conversation was, but there was an old dude who was sitting there playing, and of course I'm, you know, I'm demonstrating how great I really am. <clears throat> tell and, me you didn't uh, do Stairway to Heaven. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Freebird. Yeah. <laughs> I hate going yeah. to the stores. Uh, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, no, 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 no. We were all sitting around playing, and um, and I, I asked some question or made some comment, and this old guy who had not said anything the whole hour and a half that we we're down there raises his head up and looks at me, and he says, "You don't know what you don't know." 
and that's as true in life, in business, in in whatever. You're blazing this. You're blazing this trail, and and you know confidence is one of the things that allows us to keep putting our one foot in front of the other. But the reality is, you don't know what you don't know. That's true. Sometimes yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I told Megan that one day during an argument. I don't recommend it. <laughs> like Megan, I didn't know what I didn't know. But it was the Did it work, it was the on- yeah. oh, Maybe we should have her. Maybe we should have her on the podcast. Oh, had, she's, oh, she's, been a, she's been a repeat guest. <laughs> we haven't talked the dynamic of marriage though yet. But remember, before before I didn't realize she was sitting on the couch back there. But uh, remember, before the podcast, I said I'm still learning uh, what my inside voice should be and what my outside voice yeah. should be. I should think that, but I should not speak that. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a big difference. True that. You don't know what you don't know, and that's absolutely. Fine. It's true. It's true. But you know, like I think that is. I think that's good in two separate ways. Like if you know you don't know what you don't know, that's that's fine. But I also think that naive being naive is also a plus when it comes to venturing out to try something. Sure. Like if you knew how hard it was, if you knew the failure rate, if you knew how you know all the things that were going to be barriers to entry, you probably wouldn't do it to begin with. Okay. So Brad, when you started your business, you're very successful in what you're doing now. Tell some tell, tell us what was your biggest hurdle? And how'd you overcome it? So, um, just like we're talking about, don't know what you don't know. I have a huge benefit. My father-in-law and I share a share a shop. Um, okay, which is great. Where everybody's there in the mornings. Um, again, I got uh, Jacob, who's a, a young guy coming up. Jacob's kind of running the operation side of that. I've got my father-in-law who has been doing this, you know, since he was seventeen. Who's you know bumping sixty. 65 now he's been doing it a minute he's been doing he's been doing a he long knows time. A thing or two and uh you know he's not one to necessarily tell us what to do or what not to do but we've we've learned to you know kind of use him as a resource uh, to bounce bounce ideas off of and I, i'll tell you the the biggest hurdle for me is growing up um as a as a young adult particularly in the church world you become acutely aware of people in need and really, in the church world, you have—I don't want to say unlimited resources, but there, there are—it's pretty easy to get people on board when you're helping someone in need meet their need. You have a means. You, right. you have a means to help meet that need. Going into the business world, that was probably my biggest hurdle. Is when I would go somewhere and somebody—and it—it may be as simple as they're building a new house, they're running low on budget, but they still have to finish it. I really really wanted to figure out how to get them everything that I could to finish that project to the not only the best of my ability, but get them everything they wanted. Well, at the end of the day, you got to be careful that when you when you go through that process in the build in the business world of helping someone meet a need mm-hmm. that that you're not killing yourself in the process. Yeah. And listen, you can do that. You can musicians do, that. do it all musicians probably have that at the hardest. Because I can't tell you how many shows I've played. Hey, we're having a benefit. Will you will you donate your band? Oh, you can oh, you can literally donate yourself out of profit. And I'm all about philanthropy. I think it has a place in this culture, and yep. it has to have a place comes in this after, culture. Comes after profit, though. No, I I disagree. But I think that you also have to be smart. So some people tithe ten percent of their their physical dollar. Like that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. One potato, you make you get ten potatoes, you don't give one away, right? And I, I believe in that. But I also believe that your time has value too. So my ten potatoes, I can donate one away as well and yeah. still be okay. So that's philanthropy, right? And I don't think that it needs to come above profit. I always, I, I, we still go back to Tony Shea's quote of never chase the money, chase the vision, the money will come. If my vision is to build community, fill voids, do a great job, and some of that is donating my time, I'm not worried about the second piece because it will come. Yeah. Our donations will never go unnoticed. I've played benefits before where I'm just like, I'm so sick of playing benefits and book three shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're not in control here. Like, Yeah. And, and you know, I gave, I gave, I have given my time away for years and years and years, mm-hmm. I still give my my personal time away, of course, uh, all, all the time. And you know, if you want more money, you can go make more money. 
But mm-hmm. time is the most precious commodity we have. Right. Whatever age you're at right now, fellas, those days are numbered. Yep. You have a you, you don't have any more days than you have at, at that particular age, and that's that's been very very real with the you know Tommy situation. Tommy yeah, Glenn I was just going to say that. Um, you know that man that that hit me deep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he, we lost we lost a pillar of our community last week, uh, a personal friend to all three of us at this table. And countless others. Yeah. There's well, no no question. And, you know, like when you and I were talking earlier about, you know, goofing off when I used to, you know, I was in a I was in a band. Sure. We, we traveled around and played here locally. Um, I, I got paid to do it, kind of, but never really made a living yeah, right. doing it. But, you know, at the point that you, you know. We don't make a, if you're a musician, you two, don't do it, make a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whether it's two dollars or fifty dollars, you're you're a professional musician, right? Well, um, <laughs> it wouldn't even cover my bar tab. I, you know? I, yeah, there there were many yeah. many times that not, was the case. Not I much. Paid, I would pay to play. Not much would. Though. It certainly wouldn't cover my housing, and and at no, a time right. when I didn't know who I wanted to be, or, or I really didn't have a whole lot of a lot of place to go, you know, Tommy let me stay at his house, and. Uh, Tommy also knew that church was important to me, and Tommy was the guy who would set an alarm clock. If we got in at 3 o'clock on, uh, you know, Sunday morning, he'd set an alarm clock for 8 o'clock and come wake me up because he knew it was important for me to go to church, and it was. And so, you know, he's also the guy that taught me how to weld and yeah. you know, bought my first Mustang from him and, yeah. and all of that stuff. So um, that that really is hit home with, uh, yeah. with losing He was young. He was I mean, he was He's 49, age, yeah. so he, well, he was considerably older, older. young. But yeah, for sure. And uh, so I have a, I'm not going to call it a Tommy monument, but the last job that I hired Tommy to do was right next door in the next building. And I said, Tommy, I got a two-story building. I'm cutting half the floor off and putting a loft above. I need a banister and a railing that I wanted all out of metal and metal tubing. He was like, yeah, yeah man, we can do that. <laughs> He rolls up here, and so I said, he measures, and he's like, okay, yeah, we can do this. I was like, great. So when we deliver the pieces, he's like, deliver the pieces? Nah, man, we're going to drop individual pieces off here. We're going to bring the welder inside, and I'm building, it, I'm building it from scratch Yeah, right here in Wahala. That's right. And I went, you the man. You, you do what Let's you need do to it. do. And yep. he spent, I mean, he knocked it out maybe a day and a quarter, like, not even a full day. Because, yeah. I mean, it was just like by the time he got here and he just worked. And I got some good pictures of him, you know, straddling on the railing and, and welding. One of the most talented guys and, For sure. and well-respected For sure. guys in and, this community. And seven, 7 in the morning to 6, six at night. Hard worker. If, if that's what it took. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I remember I, I, I took my car down there, the little red coupe to get him to work on the exhaust. And he said, uh, can you come Monday? I was like, yeah. I was like, I can come whenever you want to. How early do you want me to be there? And he said, 7 o'clock. And I said, in the morning? In the morning? That's real? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, which was, you know, which was fine. That wasn't a big deal for me, but I was shocked. And I said, wow, Tommy, that's that's great. And he said, yep, 7 in the morning, 6 at night, if that's what it takes. And and that that was two, three weeks ago, or maybe four weeks ago. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. One thing I really liked about him was he was a a get-it-done kind of guy. He, He didn't overthink Things I think a lot of people get kind of froze thinking about the process, mm-hmm. right? He's like, no, just you just start. Yeah, you know, but, he probably took a measurement. He started cutting some tubes, and he's like, okay, yeah. now we're gonna do this. And, and and more importantly, you know, going back to kind of this business discussion, you know, Tommy was a welder and he fixed mufflers and that kind of yeah. thing. But at the end of the day, that is not what made the impact on the community. It was his means to connect with people. Right. And and I hope everybody that's listening will, will find their path to use whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you're good at, yep. to, to figure out a way to impact people. And at the end of the day, that's just more important than money. You know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about ripples. Like, do yeah. something that inspires somebody That's else right. to do something. I think Tommy was one of those guys. Like, he inspired yeah. a whole generation of off-roading, rock-crawling, right? Yeah. Like, Man, yeah, like single-handedly, a, yeah. he did that. There's a sticker on that cooler right behind the camera there, and it's TGC. Yeah. Because when he was started getting into the buggies, I think Chris May was like, hey, can you build a, a roll cage for me? And he was like, yeah, I can do that. And he's like, why don't you just start your own company? Because you're, you're the best there is. Yeah. Um, yeah, unbelievable. There's no question. So, I mean, he, the ripples that he created – unbelievable i mean you talk about from chris may who went to king of the hammers and did yeah. all this racing and then he made ripples himself like right. tommy started you know basically i don't 
more more people probably know Tommy outside of Seneca, South Carolina than Seneca, South Carolina knew Tommy. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, back in 1999 or whenever it was, I remember he had that, that convertible Mustang that I bought from him that had that roll cage in it that, you know, they didn't have YouTube back then. Yeah. So that dude... You know, he he, he figured at, out. Yeah, he looked at the mechanics of, of yeah. what it needed to solidify that frame and and did it. And at the end of the day, it it wasn't about building, you know, building whatever it is he's yeah. he's building. It was about connecting with people and meeting meeting the need, meeting the need. That's that, right. That person had such a such a horrific loss to the community. What a great guy. Sure. Yep. Yep. Right on. Brad, where can uh, where can people find you for your business wise? So easiest way on the web is to go to creekwoodlandscapes.com. Um, business name is Creekwood Landscapes and Grading, but you can find us at creekwoodlandscapes.com. All the other info that you need's there. Of course, we're on the socials and that kind of thing. Um, trying to do a good job of, you know, one of the things that none of none of us I should probably I. I Jared don't know you quite as well, right? But because we're so kindred spirits, I'm going to say that sure. all three of us. One of the things that we don't do a very good job of is capturing what we do, and uh, and putting it out there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's you've told me before. That's the biggest fight of your job is to you know you go in and you yeah. see something needs to be done, you get started to do it, you get it done, and it's fantastic. And you look back, you know, and document go, the process. Yeah, you go. Oh, Kyle's yeah. been telling me that literally. Years. He's well, you like, know, I don't understand why you're not video and your commercial demos because people will learn. Yeah, so we have yeah. all these great after pictures, but yeah. or, I mean, or, or I have before pictures of something yeah. and we forgot. I don't, even, to, I don't even have those. Yeah, we so forgot we just, to, you know, you that's literally why we started the podcast. So we're like, we need much. to document the process. Yeah. And I'm know? a process guy. I mean, anything that takes a process, I am a fan of. Well, and you know, you do it if you do it one time and it's successful, then at least mm-hmm. document it so you can do it again. It's yeah. you know, the the keys to success are it has to be it has to be sustainable, has to be repeatable, and has to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we kind of go through this path as creators where we're trying to figure that out and what we do is we kind of bump that road like, That's okay, right. that that one's a dead end, that one's a dead end, this one's okay, this one's good. And we're yeah. so excited when we find that path yeah, for sure. that we just run, run, run. We get to the end of it. It's like, crap, we didn't even talk about I how totally forgot that, about that how part. that process yeah. was yeah. that we got. You're there. right. That's right. Well, listen, this has been a great episode, Brad. We really appreciate you. Brad Price. Give me the give me the website one more time, Brad. It is creekwoodlandscapes.com. You're welcome back here anytime, my friend. Because uh, like all of our guests, it's hard to fit all this in around an hour. No, right. Like I, we're trying to get all we, your life into 60 we, minutes. We could literally talk music for the whole time. Like when I talked organ, I seen a spark. Like he instantly was like, When, oh, yeah, when he yeah. mentioned well, Leslie, that was a, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then you <laughs> get in there. Yeah, yeah. I can get in there. It's like we could do different subjects. That's and, uh, folks, we came up with another subject uh, that Kyle and I are going to do by ourselves one day, and it's going to be our top five albums. So stay tuned for that. Interesting. And then, you know, you guys that are listening, if there are little tidbits of stuff that you, that you like, not on necessarily this one, but on any of them, let these guys know, and you know we can sure. pour out. You can pour email out a little us. More content. You yeah, can go email ahead. us at southcackpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at. I think it's southcackpod, or southcack syndicate. You type it in, you'll find the logo right, there. The right. logo right above Brad's and you, head. Hey, here. listen, and if you want to see our beautiful faces, just go to YouTube. Absolutely, guys. It's been a great episode. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Stay tuned.